Yeah, I like the idea you pitched me, which is like, it sounds like a comedy take on David Cronenberg's The Fly. Uh, are you familiar? I'm familiar. I still haven't seen it. It is like on my list of like, I need to watch this. I need to watch Jeff Goldblum just be a freak. Um, He's a real freak. It's a. It's one of those movies that the everyone that m- made it says it's not about the thing everyone assumes it's about, but because of when it came out, it's like whether or not you intended this to be an Would approach people to interpret like interpret as like an AIDS metaphor. Whether or not that that was the idea, that's obviously something that's running through a lot of people's heads, especially a lot of people that are producing movies on either coast. Right. And this idea of like your loved one sort of transforming because of this thing that it becomes someone that you don't really recognize you're losing them to this thing you have no control over Uh um it's the same way that like the the uh makers of the 1950s invasion of the body snatchers like swear it's not about communism and the red scare but that's also absolutely what it's about. Like whether, <laughs> whether or not that's what they intended to make a movie no, about. It's, I'm I'm immediately thinking of like a very direct parallel to, uh, you know, The Fly. Uh, in a certain sense, is uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Okay. Uh, there's a whole documentary about how like people are like, oh my god, you made a gay movie, you know? And it was like, it was about Freddy was taking over this boy's body and Uh it was like in you know and a bunch of other stuff and there's you know like male nudity in a sense that's like in the way that there's traditionally female nudity in a horror flick you know what i mean like absolutely i mean there's a whole lot of it and i literally wouldn't even be able to know where to begin because i've i've seen the (laughs) documentary and i haven't even seen the full movie yet but like Yeah. yeah just yeah no it's all it's so hard to remove the lens of the aids crisis from stuff especially retroactively though you know like 100 it's one of those things like in the moment where it's like some people were getting it but we also you know it's one of those things the critical lens the mainstream critical lens was mm-hmm. intensely homophobic and so honestly at that time they would be avoiding those parallels right i mean the 80s was like a deeply regressive time uh that like the (laughs) the gulf of difference between the movies and tv we were making in the 70s and how and and its acceptance of non-white straight male centrism and how much 80s movies pull back on that so hard and and go back to this regressive point in time yeah and i can't imagine i mean maybe it's just because of who i am but I genuinely can't think of any reason outside of the AIDS crisis for that regression. Like, it's, maybe it's just because it, it, it's my queer lens. Because literally, like, 70s, like, queerness was, like, like there was a movement of queer liber- liberation. This was this was um, post-Stonewall, right? This was, this was disco. This was, we're going to be gay, we're going to be in your face. And then, boom, AIDS crisis happens. And everything just goes like because you know what the thing is the the the, it literally affected the film and tv industry they literally was were making people do blood tests they were making their actors do blood tests to find out if they were hiv positive um, absolutely and afraid of kissing people who have hiv so like literally you could even potentially say hey you know the movies got really crazy because every queer person on set went back in the closet absolutely and like the 
the effect it had on like the New York film and theater scene is incalculable. It's you cannot possibly gauge what happened to both the people making and the people consuming New York film and theater in that period of time, right? Yeah. It's, it's the the shift that it had. Like, I was listening to uh, my favorite podcast, Blank Check, and uh, Griff, uh, one of the hosts, Griffin, Shit movie, his parents... Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, they did cover the movie once, but it's an excellent podcast. Okay, cool. um, and, and they talk about, like, directors that get blank checks, like, develop enough as a director to get that blank check to make whatever crazy yeah, passion go, James project Cameron, make want. some freak movie about blue things exactly well james cameron is like the most blank checkiest filmmaker in the history of the industry yeah because he but all of his blank checks pay out even more than what he was given like it's this ridiculous reciprocal <laughs> process yeah. where it's like okay terminator 2 is his blank check and then titanic is his blank check and then like it just keeps going just keeps, but uh, yeah. i was i was getting distracted but he was talking about his parents <laughs> uh-huh. uh who grew up er, who have lifelong new yorkers and uh-huh. he at one point wondered like why his parents had no adult friends and they all died. They were like, they all died, basically. Yeah. Like, they they all uh, uh, passed away or moved away because of uh, because of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's one um, of those things that, like, I even also just, like, outside of the industry and, like, on a more, like, human level, right? Like, absolutely, right. I also, I mean, and yes, I mean, you know, the arts, the arts are how culture is propagated and, you know. And preserved, right? And like, preserved, our right. memory of these times are based on the media produced in these times. And and that is how we remember it. It's, it's amazing to watch the gulf between movies and TV we make now set in the 70s and 80s and how different it is than movies that were made in the 70s and 80s. Everything from, like, fashion oh, to absolutely. attitude to to the whole thing. It's a completely different perspective than the people that actually lived it. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, what, what am I thinking of? There's this one thing. I think it's called the five ninth. It's the number five and then ninth Avenue project. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's on, it's this whole thing. You got to check this thing out. So this mm-hmm. is, it's on YouTube is where it mostly happens. It is, there's this guy named Nelson Sullivan. Oh my god, I don't even know how to begin this. It is N- Nelson Sullivan was a videographer in the 80s, right? Basically could be considered like the father of the modern vlogger, right? Was like okay. one of the first people to just take a camcorder and turn it on himself and just talk into a camcorder. But he also was just like a civilian like civilian documentarian. He recorded everything. This wow. man was a part of the club scene in New York. All of his old film cassettes have, have are in the process with, and I believe it's NYU it created the Five Ninth Avenue project to digitize all of this content and upload it onto the internet. Wow! This is a gay man who's tight with RuPaul, who's tight with like all these people, and you watch these videos. In, like, the height of the AIDS crisis of New York from the perspective of gay men. And you walk around, you see these men walking around. They've got, you know, their bandanas, their flagging. You know, they've got their their color-coded bandanas out of their back pockets. And it's so wild to see what a day in the life was actually – like, they're driving by. You hear, like, car radios playing songs that were, like, popular at the time. And, like, 
as someone that lives in New York, you're like, whoa, I know this building's still there. Like, whoa, that's different than that is now. And like, and it's just so wild. And one of the things that always strikes me about it whenever I watch it, it's, it's a recent obsession of mine, is they're not really ever talking about the AIDS crisis. It is a resounding sense of like joy and resilience throughout the whole thing. It doesn't even feel like it's a dark undertone. It's just one of those things where it's like, you, you know, it's like one of those things. It's And so often when we watch content about the 80s <laughs> in that time, it's very heavy handed in the metaphor or even not even metaphor, just direct. It's like AIDS. And it's like this is right, not like only rent. Thing. You know, usually that's how we deal with the AIDS crisis is Jonathan Larson's rent. Right. You know, which is a whole thing I won't even get into. I love it, but it I cannot be broached. <laughs> it would become the whole podcast. That's an entirely new podcast that will last another year. Um, <laughs> but, but no, seriously, it's one of those, but even still, you know, I talk about this a lot, um, you know, with just the danger of that. I mean, first, I mean, you know, I talk about it with a lot of my trans friends because finding trans women, specifically trans women of color and black trans women um, over a certain age is very, very rare. Like the life expectancy of a black trans woman is like, I want to say 34, maybe younger than that. Um, and so adding that kind of, you know, situation, that statistic to the fact that the AIDS crisis wiped out so much of so many people and therefore so much of the community and so much of, you know, the culture then became more of like a preservation of that kind of culture. Like, and so it's, you know, so queer youth, you know, it's like when people look down, they're like, why are there so many queers like right now? Like, why are there all these gay kids and trans kids? Like there aren't that many like gay and trans adults. And it's like, yeah, cause they all died. They like, died. They died. Yeah. <laughs> Like it was, it was it, like the government literally did not care about let them die until Rock Hudson, who was a friend of Reagan's, right? Yeah, was like, yeah, hey, oh I'm yeah. Dying. By the way, fuck Ronald Reagan, just no, so that everyone Ronald is one hundred percent clear. Like so hard, like fuck that. I guy. hope he burns in hell. Oh um, my god, exactly. Yeah, yes, it, uh, fuck Ronald Reagan. But right, Rock Hudson wrote into Ronald Reagan like, hey, please do something about this, and he. He ignored that too. <laughs> like, yeah, so it was it was because Rock was like mostly closet. Like people didn't really know, except for people in the industry that like knew him really well. You know, as a lot of that worked, he was a he was like the leading man. You know, like it was Absolutely. Rock Hudson. And so, you know, and then when he passed away, then Reagan started being like, "Okay, well, we'll do this." And it's like, "Fuck you, dude. Fuck you." Uh, um, yeah. it's so wild. I was gonna say something positive after this, and it left my brain. <laughs> Yeah, it once you start talking about that. Reagan, it's all negativity. Dude, Absolutely. Man, fuck that guy so hard. Fuck <laughs> that guy. That guy has done so much irreparable damage to this country. War on um, drugs. Yeah, war on drugs. Uh, an incredible work. Distancing us from the union uh, uh, strength of our country. Like, just absolutely fuck that guy. It's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. No, absolutely. And that he's held up as, like, the gold standard of what a Republican is supposed... Like, that is their well, poster. Reagan and Nixon, which is like, how the fuck? How the fuck? How? What? How? Like... But then, then again, you look, at, you look at the fact that there's a bunch of people that, like, look up to Donald Trump, and you're like, oh, okay, now I see it. But then even the ones no, that I mean, are they're... like, I think Trump is a nutcase, but I look up to Richard Nixon. It's like, 
Fuck you, dude. Fuck Look you. Look up to Richard Nixon. They're just the same dude. They're the same. <laughs> it's the same guy. One's got a better it's wig. This- like it's the same man it's it's all the same guy and it's like you know not polite like reagan yeah i love polite racism i love like oh man that's what we should aspire to i mean polite racism is literally just a fancy way of saying institutionalized unchecked white supremacy like that's what it is exactly it just you know like i'm just trying to be like i'm trying to be nice it's like fuck fuck nice fuck y'all Fuck nice, okay? Like seriously. No, absolutely. They're like nice, nice is the kind, okay. You know what I mean? Like nice is 100%. nice doesn't mean anything, right? I saw this yes. one. This is a good meme. It was saying the difference between people from L.A. and New York is people from New York are kind but not nice, and people from L.A. are nice but not kind. No, hundred <laughs> percent. The response to that was, I've told this to so many people, and the people from L.A. get fucking pissed, and. <laughs> people from new york are like correct (laughs) absolutely uh say what you will about new york and there's a lot of good and a lot of bad to say but i think we're kind of honest about what new york is in a way that that la is not it's hard to really kind of pinpoint it now because like i haven't been on a subway in so long just because like christ but like literally it's one of those things where it used to it back in in 2019 it used to be you'd go down into the subway system and if someone had a cart with a baby, somebody walking by probably had their headphones on and noticed it and would help whoever it is because they're, of course, not wheelchair accessible in most places. It's a whole different issue, but infrastructure is a different monster that requires a lot of a good, a lot of bad. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but literally, you'll see someone like just like notice it and they'll help them carry the stroller down the stairs and then they'll just walk away. They won't say like, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, may I help you? They just, they just help. There is an understanding of community that goes. Absolutely. You know, at the same time, there's also a complete disregard for <laughs> everyone around you. It's like, get on the subway and you know, most people keep to themselves. And then some people just like do whatever they want because it's like, it's not about these other people. You know, you have, you have to take up the space where you can, you know, I remember seeing right. one thing. So I was like, People in New York are so so cold. It's like, no, there's just so many people here that we're just literally trying not to impose on each other's space. You know, you can't walk around down the street and say hi to everybody like a small town in, you know, middle America, Midwest. Most honestly, not even just middle America, most places in America outside of cities, you walk down the street, you wave, you say hi. In New York, there's just too many people. You just you just walk. Just get to where you're fucking going. Everyone stay on your side of the sidewalk. We're all, we all got places to be. Uh, and, and that is, uh, it's only really the touristy areas that that gets like absolutely untenable. The people that don't understand those rules, the people that don't, uh, uh understand where to be, but you're right. Is that like the, the stroller exchange, which I've been on the other side of many times where it's just like, you just help them. And then you just like, all right, see you. Have a good night. And you just walk away. And that's the, that's you? the end of the interaction. No, thank you. No, like we're not shaking each other's hand. It's like, no, this is the expected idea of a community. I also think that's why New Yorkers have done a much better job of responding to covid than the midwest because there are more people in my apartment building than there are in like it that were in my graduating class in missouri (laughs) you know what i mean like 
there's there's more people in this building. So, like, of course we masked up and most of us don't complain about it because we understand, like, I can hear my neighbor through the wall. But, like, if you have three miles of land and the, your nearest neighbor is down the dirt road, like, you don't have an understanding of how what you do directly impacts everyone around you in right. the same it way. It feels so much more like butterfly effect to that than, like, I got to watch right. where I step. Can I tell you, I don't know why you said there's certain parts that are very, can I tell you my favorite story that I have from of me Please. experimenting while walking through Times Square? <laughs> I love this. So yes, I was, I, you, you, Times Square is a very complicated place. Do I love it? Yes. Do I hate it? Absolutely. Resounding. Correct. Um, Both answers are correct. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, Every once in a while, I'll be like, I'm going to go through this, you know, by myself. And every once in a while, if I'm by myself, because I'm a tiny little person, you know, I'll put my headphones on, I'll blast some music, and I usually walk around the edges of it. And if I need to cross through it, I kind of just do this, like, I can't think of a, you know what I'm talking about? You can sometimes just kind of walk and you just kind of find the negative Serpentine. Space. Basically, you just kind of like... <laughs> Serpentine, also like scan, and you're like, it's like it's like playing Frogger, and then waiting for the moment where you can just hold forward and you move in a straight line and you miss everything. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, no, 100. Like, I know exactly. It, and now what you're I have talking. a clear path across the entire thing. And then if somebody's walking, you, whenever you nail it, though, you feel like such a badass. You're like, everyone's watching me be unaffected by this crowd. Anyway, this is not the story. This and story. no one's watching you, which is like no, the beautiful thing the about New York. Part. Nobody you're, gives a fucking. But when shit. you're listening to music and you're walking through New York, you're feels like you're the main character in a fucking movie right 100 percent. 100 so that's not the story the story is this <laughs> oh i gotta make sure i remember this <laughs> i i <laughs> there was a big group and it was one <laughs> one of those things where it's like okay you know you you look up and you just go oh, fuck you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> it it is the density is present um i one time <laughs> was walking and I was like, I'm here, I need to get across. I hesitate to say the street because Times Square isn't really a street as much as it's like three or four streets and then like a middle section with stands and cops and Elmo and a naked cowboy. <laughs> Elmo's like, always there. Oh, Elmo and Iron Man are always Iron there. there. Occasionally you might catch a Mickey Mouse, maybe a Minnie Mouse, but Elmo and Iron Man, mostly Elmo. They're there. Happens. Usually there's more than one. <laughs> No, 100%. It's like, oh, one Elmo's busy. I'll go to the other okay. other Elmo. Yeah, naturally. Maybe you'll see, like, someone in all green paint dressed up as, like, the Statue of Liberty. Anyway. Hell yeah. So, um, I was walking through, and I saw this massive density ahead of me, right? It was like a gelatinous cube. And I was like, how am I going to – I'm not going to roll a 20. How am I going to beat this? <laughs> and I somehow rolled I, – I, it was literally like rolling it out. I was like, let me try something. I just screamed. I just went, ah! <laughs> very quickly, or like, or like, ah! I, like, I made a, like a strange noise. Like it was a, I, the scream is the best way I can describe it. It might have been closer to a pterodactyl. It might have been closer to a trumpet. I will let you figure out what you imagine me making a sound like. And it was crazy because everyone around me, for the first time in my entire life in New York, saw me like they responded most people just ignore what's going on but it wasn't because I, I wasn't screaming the whole time i was like peacefully walking and then i screamed and that's the very unusual thing for new york and everybody noticed me and the best part about this was for some reason 
directly in front of me, the people that responded to it split. It was a literal parting of the Red Seas. And the best part was I, I like made it ah, while I was walking and I didn't have to stop walking. All of a sudden I just had a clear path. It was biblical. It was crazy. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me in Times Square. <laughs> you were Moisesh. You were you were Moses. You see me. No, you it see was me. fucking bananas. I was like, I need to get to the jewelry box. I need to get to the the theater. I need to get need to get the thing for the most dad. You know, something stupid. <laughs> the H and M is about to close. Right. Birdland. Let me get to Birdland. Please. Um, I gotta get to Harry Potter I and the Cursed Child. Wicked. I can't miss it. I miss Wicked. <laughs> I want to go. The, probably the most disappointing thing for me, um, there is an absolute legend that I look up to named Alexandra Billings. If you don't know who she is, look her up. She's absolutely incredible. She's like a trans icon. She was in Transparent, uh, played a really massive role, you know, especially like at the end, I think, you know, when it comes to like that musical episode at the very end. She was the first trans woman to be cast in Wicked as Madame Morrible. Um, and this she got cast like right before everything shut down. And I was so excited to go back and see Wicked because, first of all, Wicked has, in my opinion, the best sound system on Broadway. Like it is one of the – you go in there and the sound swallows you. It's unbelievable. Um, not to say that the other sound systems are bad. The other sound systems are – phenomenal it's literally broadway if there's one thing they can bring to you every time it's technical theater um but like i was so excited i was like i'm gonna go see alexandra billings as madame morble it's gonna be a moment i'm so excited it's been a minute since i've seen wicked i'm somehow the only person in my family to not have seen wicked more than once everybody else has and i'm like I don't know how this happened. I'm the one with the degree in musical theater. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so wild. And I think the other thing that's so excited to kind of tie things back into what we were talking about earlier is it's so exciting to see kind of essentially like, like a trans elder almost taking this owning so much space in, yeah. you know, and we talk about, you know, Broadway is like, we're super inclusive. Yay. Yay. Yes. Lol. <laughs> They're, they're they are very cisgender focused. They're very good to cis gays, specifically sure. cis gay men. Very good to them, Indeed. especially if you're white. But we'll talk about that another time. Um, you know, but like literally, like you could be like, well, what about you know, like Rent? It's like okay, well, Rent. They took a trans woman and they kind of like toned it down a little bit. It's like she's not quite a trans woman. You know, you can make the argument that at that time that wasn't the language around it. Valid. Sure. Sure. Still. It's always a drag queen, basically. Um, and then, um, you know, you, you, Kinky Boots, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a fun show, but also just has moments that are just straight up, no filtered, transphobic. Like, fully transphobic lines in it. Um, and, you know, but meanwhile, but then at the same time, it's like, but it's, you know, Billy Porter, who, you know, is just a queer icon, you know. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure won Tony for that, you know, like it's so it's it's wild. It's just a wild moment to be like right after fucking Tootsie was on. Oh, my God. The fact that (laughs) the fact that he won a fuck. I'm (laughs) 
flames, flames, flames on the flames. side of my face. The side of my face. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Right. I mean, it's Broadway, right? So there's these um uh, it's always like a, a mixed bag, a slow going. It's like ev- fire. It's like fucking read the. Come room. on! It's like it's. I, I mean, I'm I'm transferring it to movies, but it's like every time you know, Moonlight wins an Oscar, and you're like, oh my god, phenomenal! Like, not only did you honor probably the best piece of art of the year, but it's also uh, about uh, black and gay, queer gay, gay, identities. Gay, 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 gay. Yeah, gay, 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 gay. Uh, and so they're like, oh, cool, we did Moonlight? All right, next year, Green Book's year. <laughs> you know, it's, you can't, you, you can't fucking win them all. 